If you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Jude, please. Jude, God willing, will be expounding verses 20 and 21. The book of Jude, verse 20 and 21. If you're a first-time visitor here, we're so glad to have you with us. And we do all of our teaching verse by verse through the entire book. And we're getting close to finishing up the book of Jude. Still got a few verses to go, though. And God willing, uh, Tammy and I will be leaving here right after church. Brother James Johnson will be locking up for us. And then, uh, Lord willing, uh, I'll be preaching uh, on stage here on the big screen Wednesday. And I'll be preaching in person at our satellite uh, group in Kentucky, our members up there. Uh, Wednesday night, preaching back to y'all live and uh, on the screen and standing in front of them in person. What a nice treat that'll be for them to have a have a, a something other than a screen to look at. I hope. <laughs> uh, Jude verse twenty. Now, last week we saw a shift in Jude's epistle. For weeks now, Jude's been describing these counterfeit Christian. The tares, if you would. But last week, Jude turned our attention to the, the true believers, the wheat, right? And in verse 19 last week, describing the counterfeit ministers that slip into the churches, and boy, there's a lot of them. Jude said, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, if you look in verse 19, having not the spirit. So we understand that these people, in spite of their religious activity, in spite of the fact that they stand in pulpits across the country every Sunday or whatever day they, they do their business, they are merely sensual people. They don't subscribe to a biblical worldview. They interpret the world around them and they execute their ministry, if you would, based on the five senses of their flesh. Yes, they may hold a Bible when they preach and they may quote from it. But remember, the devil quoted scripture too, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was tempting Jesus to sin. <clears throat> the apostle Paul told true believers in Romans 8, 9, ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But these counterfeit teachers are not in the spirit. They are in the flesh. They have not the spirit. And the apostle Paul said, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I have a lot of friends in Africa that, uh, that I'm uh, on Facebook with and we communicate with in the ministry and different things and Oh my, how they have a bunch of counterfeit clergy over there. I mean, I, I believe even more so than we have over here. Uh, they've got some new thing they do. They, they've got people bringing some kind of something to church to kill the devil with. I, they mention what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it means something to them. And then this Goya oil, they're lathering people up and pouring goyo oil all over people now and uh and it's supposed to help anoint them i guess with the holy spirit or something and 
And uh, it, it, what is all that stuff? It's just sensual stuff. I remember seeing a picture one of them put on Facebook of this poor man had his hand raised up in the air with this going all in his eyes and all over his face and and soaking his clothes and all these people standing around him. They even have a trend now in Africa where pastors are lining their 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 parishioners up at the front of the church. And I saw pictures of it. And they're giving them bleach to drink. To prove they have the Holy Spirit in them. Because the Bible says at that particular part of the, end of the Gospels. If they drink any deadly thing it shall not harm them. So that's the way. By drinking bleach you can prove you have the Holy Spirit in you. The pastors tell them. And they, uh, one of the men in, in Africa said that several had died from that. And others sick from that. And, uh, and not understanding the scriptures and what those scriptures mean about that during that time. It's, it's so sad. But those are, what are those things? They're gimmicks. They're sensual, physical props, if you will. That they bring into the church. That is a characteristic of a sensual, sneaky, false teacher. There should be no big mystery about this to Christians when it says that these are sensual having not the spirit. Christians shouldn't go around checking to see if they have certain feelings or experiences to verify they have the spirit. When you read that, oh, I wonder if I ooh, you know, have the spirit. If, if you start doing that, if you start trying to self-check yourself for emotions and feelings to see if you have the Spirit of God in you. Let me tell you, you're going to wind up in a big doctrinal and emotional mess. Last Sunday after church, I was sitting here with my granddaughters and doing what I love to do, feeding Shiloh her little snack while everyone's doing their choir practice and and someone came and told me there was a man outside wanted to ask the pastor some Bible questions. So I dismissed myself and stepped back to see what he wanted. And he said, can we sit down somewhere and I have some Bible questions to ask you? He didn't come to church. Waited till after church to come ask me Bible questions. He would have had more answers had he come sit and listen to the message. But... Uh, I went ahead and I went back to my study with him and, and uh, see what questions he had. And on our way to my study, this man told me, he said, I know God is real because a while back someone laid their hand on me and I had an out-of-body experience for several minutes. That's when I started to say, well, now you need to talk to Brother Shepherd. He's our expert in out-of-body experiences. But I didn't think quick enough for that, see. But out-of-body experiences, how many people have had those? You can get that by taking drugs. And if a drug can give you a certain experience, then having that experience doesn't prove that there's a God or that you have a relationship with God. You could, you know, you can even take internet classes how to have out-of-body experiences. Kind of like the magicians there that Pharaoh had that kept trying to duplicate the things of Moses and Aaron. Listen, if you can teach or you can charm your way uh, into some type of experience, that experience doesn't prove you've had an encounter with God. It's sensual. 
after talking with this man for almost an hour in my study last Sunday, it became clear to me that he didn't know the gospel and wasn't in any position to uh, accept it at that time. He described himself to me as a Messianic Jew. And he said he was being taught by some guru or whatever over the internet that he had run into. And, and he told me that he believed that the New Testament had not begun yet. And that we still have to follow the law to be saved. He acknowledged that Christ died for our sins on the cross. But uh, he said you also have to keep the law. And oddly enough, he kept quoting from the book of Galatians to prove his point when the book of Galatians was written to disprove what he believes. And, when, and, and so when he told me we had to keep the law, I asked him why he's not offering animal sacrifices. Well, he had a good answer. He said, because we don't have a temple to offer them at right now. So I suppose if they did have a temple in Israel, he'd be flying over there and offering them. I don't know. But you know what he did tell me? He said Jesus was offering animal sacrifices in heaven. I've never heard such a bizarre teaching in my life. And he was very serious about that. You know, what an amazing time, I begin to think later, what an amazing time for him to come and tell me all of that crazy doctrine right after we just studied about creepy clergy. Do you know who he's been listening to? Creepy clergy. <laughs> right after we read about the doctrines of devils the apostles warned us about that would be slipping into the church. You know what he was telling me when he said, yes, Jesus died for our sins, but we also have to keep the law. He was saying, except you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And this teaching is expressly forbidden by the apostles in the Bible. And I too need to remember to put my ancillary scriptures for uh, uh, them to post up there. But listen to what the, uh, the, uh, the Bible says in Acts 15.24. Listen to what the apostles told the believers in the church of Antioch. They said, quote, We have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, quote, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Now that should sum it up right there. This is a false gospel that puts man back under the law and diminishes the fullness of the work of Jesus Christ. If this is the message he has received then it is not the Spirit of God. Jude said these false teachers are sensual, having not the Spirit of God. Verse 20 now, But ye, beloved, oh, I love this now. I believe you've already uh, marked in your Bibles from last week, but I'll call your attention again. If you'll look in verse 19, look at the word these. See that in verse 19? These. Now look in verse 20. But ye, I love how, again, uh, Jude is distinguishing the Christians he's writing to from the false Christians he's writing about. Jude says these counterfeits, they don't have the Spirit of God. They are they that separate themselves from the truth of the Holy Spirit. In verse 19, 
Take your pen, please, and underscore the words, separate themselves, if you haven't already. And now in verse 20, once you underscore separate themselves, in verse 20, underscore the words, building up yourselves. You see the difference here? False teachers separate themselves from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jude says, while they are separating themselves from God's word, we need to be doing just the opposite. When you're you're watching the world go crazy, and we are. When you're watching the church begin to fall apart and all these crazy doctrines slip in, and the gospel begin to get diluted, and we are. When you're watching what everybody else in the world is doing, you better remember what you need to be doing. And here's what you don't need to be doing. You don't need to be as a Christian running around wringing your hands saying, Oh no, what are we going to do? The church is falling apart. People are giving up on Jesus. Oh, what are we going to do? Man, here's what we're going to do right here. While they are separating themselves, ye need to be building up yourselves. When we hear false teachers, we don't need to go and get nervous and start rethinking our position on what we already know is true in the gospel. And we don't need to conform and follow the godless crowds and the latest doctrines that pop up and become getting popular in the different denominations. When all the world is falling away, and it is falling away, we need to strengthen our position. In God's word like never before. We need to use these false teachers as an incentive for us to grow in the truth of Christ. That we may expose these demonic doctrines and earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. Jude says build yourselves up. And what are we going to build ourselves up on? Look back in your text. On Your most holy faith. Oh man, aren't you glad you have an Old Testament to go with your New Testament? When you see this word, underscore the two words, most holy. Most holy. Now, what this should do for us is let us define most holy based upon where we first learn the, 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 the idea, the concept of holy versus most holy. Where do we first learn that concept at? The tabernacle. That's absolutely right. In the tabernacle, you had two different rooms. You had the holy place, and then you had the most holy place, right? Or if you have a King James, you have the holy place, and you have the holy of holies. But it's still holy place and the most holy place. And so he says that we need to be building up ourselves on our most holy faith. Every building has a foundation. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. And you can search the world all over. But there is no other message like the gospel. I've run into all kinds of religions. I've studied about all kinds of religions. And I'm telling you the gospel of Jesus Christ is most holy. It's most unique. There's nothing else like it. 
like the most holy place in the tabernacle, the gospel will not tolerate the alterations of man. God told Moses when he gave him the instructions for how to build that tabernacle, he told Moses, you see to it that you make it like the pattern I showed you in that mount. You make it just like I told you. The gospel won't tolerate the alterations of man. It has to adhere to the pattern that God prescribed for us on Mount Calvary. And and the Old Testament patterns for it. And the prophecies for it. And the gospels. Like the mercy seat. In the most holy place. There is no other means by which the atonement for our sins can be made. There is no other way for us to be made right with God but through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not like other religions. It is most holy. It's separated from every other idea of man. And anything any creepy clergy can somehow infiltrate into the church. Our faith like the ark of the covenant is most holy. I want you to pretend for a moment. Suppose with me that you were in charge of the tabernacle. Suppose that you kept everything in that tabernacle exactly like it was. But for decorative purposes, you began rearranging the furniture inside. And you thought, you know, I don't like that old veil up there. It's getting old. It's getting rather stale. I think we'll just take it down and have an open concept. Like they do with kitchens. You know how they do that with kitchens? Knock a wall and just have an open concept. And so you, 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 you just take the veil away and you just have an open concept. Make it more spacious looking. And then you replace the mercy seat with a beautiful statue of Moses that you designed yourself. You set that on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Now if you did that. But you left everything else in that tabernacle the same. Would you agree that that tabernacle would still greatly resemble the pattern that God gave Moses? It would, wouldn't it? It would still greatly resemble it. You'd still have uh, the, the, everything else in there. There's only two alterations you made. You still have the golden candlestick. You still got the, the golden altar. You still got the brazen altar out there. You still have the Ark of the Covenant. Just something different on top. So it still resembles the pattern. But you know what the problem's going to be with that tabernacle? God's not going to be in it. <laughs> God's, just like Jesus said, when Jesus came, they had that temple. Jesus told him about that temple. Your house has been left unto you desolate. You got all this stuff going on. But there's no God inside. It's empty. And so all these religions that come. You'll have a preacher behind the pulpit like me. And he'll have a Bible. You'll have pews out there. You'll have a choir loft out there. You'll have a baptistry up there. You'll have sound systems. And now you even got theater stages. You have all kinds of stuff going on. And it still greatly resembles the pattern that God gave. But God's not in it. You see? 
God's not in it. And false teachers begin rearranging the order of the gospel. Getting the law out of its place. Getting works out of their place. Replacing faith in Christ with something else. While still calling it faith. The message still greatly resembles the gospel. But God's not in it. Our faith is a most holy faith that must never be altered. It is a foundation laid for us in the message of the full atonement Jesus made for sinners. Who by placing their hope on the atonement he made are forever made right in the sight of God. Through Christ's adherence to the law on their behalf. So while others are rearranging the furniture or abandoning the faith of Christ altogether. Jude says we need to continue to cast our hope on the foundation of the cross. And regardless of what any false teacher says. Instead of abandoning the cross. We continue to build on it. By adding to our knowledge of the gospel by the word the spirit has given us. And we do this how? Look back in your text. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to see the contrast here. Don't look at this and then zero in on praying in the Holy Ghost. And think, ooh, well, how do I pray in the Holy Ghost? Uh, You know, don't get all confused. I believe the concept is this, that he's again drawing a contrast between those who separate themselves, those who build up themselves. And now we have this contrast here. You see, those who are praying in the Spirit versus those who are departing in the flesh. You see the difference? We pray in the Holy Ghost. They depart in their flesh from the Holy Ghost. But we need to be doing this praying in the Holy Ghost. The the Holy Spirit carries our petitions to God. He takes the longings of our hearts And he translates them into words that are suitable for the king to hear. Do you ever sometimes think, man, I'm just not sure how I should word this to God. Or I can't seem to find the right kind of words. That's okay. God reads the hearts. The Holy Spirit translates them, uh, if you would, and makes them suitable to our king. When we pray, this is why Jesus is telling us to pray. When it comes to building ourselves up in the most holy faith. When we pray it's an exercise of our faith. Because you know what praying does? when, When we pray to God it shows that we seek our help in God alone. We're not saying well Jude didn't say. Uh, build up yourselves in the Holy Ghost, girding up your loins like a man. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't say strengthening yourself and, and, and taking the bull by the horns, uh, building up yourselves. No. He says, you do it. You build yourselves up, making your petitions to God in His Spirit. We have to seek God for our help alone. Never attempt to resist the devil and the power of your flesh. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. Uh, They're not. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So why should we use flesh and blood to stand against the wiles of the devil? Did you know that's what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to wrestle with him in flesh and blood. You'll lose every time. (laughs) When we pray, we're acknowledging 
that the only way we're able to win that battle is in God's strength and not our own. We are acknowledging the Lord is God and there is none else. So we make our petitions to Him. And, and once again, praying in the Holy Ghost, it should not be a mystery to believers. Praying in the Holy Ghost is not working yourself up into some kind of emotional lather. That's what a lot of people think. When they think of the Holy Spirit, because they're sensual, they begin to equate the Holy Spirit to physical, physiological, whatever, feelings, emotions, experiences. No. Jesus told the woman at the well that true worshipers worship God in two ways. You remember? Actually, it's one way, but it's two words describing it. What are that, what's that one way? In spirit and in what? Are y'all sure y'all have the right translation? Y'all sure it doesn't say in spirit and in feelings? Y'all sure it doesn't say in spirit and experiences? No. Do you see how Jesus describes the work of the Holy Spirit? In spirit and in truth. Did you know in the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus describes the Holy Spirit three times as the Spirit of truth? In John, the Gospel of John 15, 26, if you're taking notes, Jesus said, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. How do I know, Brother Doug, that I have that comforter? Because I have been given the truth that he sends. Woo! Because I've had the truth of Jesus Christ and him crucified revealed to me. Because I've had the truth of the precious doctrines of the gospel instilled in my heart. That's the comfort of God the Father. And all the Holy Spirit does is continue to build and build and build by adding to my understanding of that gospel. I build, or rather He builds, in me and in my understanding on that most holy faith that God has given us. The spirit of truth, Jesus said, which proceedeth from the Father. And then Jesus said, he shall testify of me. And I've received that testimony, therefore I have received that spirit. So to pray in the spirit is for us to petition God on the basis of our faith in the testimony of God's Holy Spirit. Concerning God's Son. The Gospel. That's why Jesus said we should pray in His name. That's the same thing as praying in the Spirit. Not by saying in Jesus' name at the end of your prayers. You don't have to do that. That's not praying in Jesus' name. That's adding a tagline on the back. It's okay to do that. But praying in Jesus' name means to pray, well, Brother Shepherd gave a wonderful description earlier when he talked about his being deputized by the sheriff. Remember that? He said when he goes out, he goes out in the authority, on the basis of the sheriff's authority, and he exercises that. He doesn't go out thinking, man, I'm Andy Shepherd. They're going to listen to me. 
right? He goes out thinking, there's a sheriff that the people elected, that the Constitution allows, that he's then invested that authority to me, and I go out in that authority. You see? The same thing here. When I pray, I pray on the basis that my prayers can be heard. I can enter into the, the, the presence of God as if I've never sinned and all this. Why? Not on my own merit, but on the merit of his son. My faith in his son. When false teachers rise up, that's when the saints should kneel down. That's when we should kneel down and pray, oh, Father. While many around me are falling away, please strengthen my knowledge and my resolve in the gospel like never before. Father, may your Holy Spirit strengthen me with might, with the powerful truths of your Son, and let me grow therein and be a witness thereof to others. Church, the only way you can build yourself up in faith is to know the Scriptures. The only way. Let me tell you something. You can't believe what you don't know. And you can't exercise what you don't believe. You better get into the Word of God. Jude says, build yourselves. And then Jude says, verse 21, underscore the word keep. He says, build yourselves, and now he's saying, keep yourselves. That's the second thing that Christians should be doing. And it's really the same, if in, in a way. It's like two sides of the same coin. The Greek word translated keep here has the idea of guarding something to prevent injury or loss. Keep yourselves. When the Israelites made a covenant with Rahab and Jericho, y'all remember that story? They told her to tie a red cord on her window. Her house was built up on the wall. They said, you bring a red, uh, you, you uh, tie a red cord on your window. And, uh, and then they said, you take your family and you bring them into your home. And when they're in that home, they'll be under that protective covenant that we made with you. But if any of those people were to change their minds after the battle began, and they were to decide to leave the safety of that house and take up arms against Israel, or, or maybe run somewhere else and think, you know, I think the cellar would be the safer place for me than in this house behind the red cord, then they would surely perish. The spies told Rahab in Joshua 2.19, Whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless. In other words, he'll be dead and it won't be our fault. Do you know what the spies were telling Rahab? They were telling her, when you see everybody else running, because you know what's going to happen when the Israelites start going around Jericho. They're marching around, they're blowing the trumpet, they're doing all this stuff. And everyone's scared to death. We already know that from Rahab's testimony. Everyone's scared to death. And when they finally make entrance into that city, don't you know people are going to be running? Don't you know people are going to be fighting? Don't you know people are going to be over there just to shaking like this? And they're telling Rahab, when you see everybody else running and hiding and fighting, you keep yourselves in the covenant that we made with you. When everybody else is going crazy, 
you keep yourself in that covenant. If they truly believe the word of Israel, if they truly believed that God was going to give them the land as he promised, and if they truly believed that they would keep their word and keep them safe as long as they were in that covenant house, then when they saw everybody else in Jericho standing against God, they would be keeping themselves, look back in your text, in the love of God. You see that? That's what they would be doing. They'd be keeping themselves in the love of God. What was that red cord hanging out of Rahab's window? When Rahab tied that scarlet line in the window, it was a picture of the covenant that God made with Abraham. This was a Gentile woman hanging a red rope out of her house. And God made a covenant with Abraham saying, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And now here's those extra families outside the Jewish race. And they're bringing themselves into that covenant. And that red rope represents the redness of Jesus' blood and His redemption. The very thing also symbolized by that ram on that mountain. When Abraham gave him to die in the place of his son. And here they are. The Gentile family. Sheltered in the covenant of God's love. While everybody else is going crazy. They said just keep yourselves in the love of God. Like the Passover blood on the doors in, in, in Egypt. That red rope was a picture of the gospel covenant based upon the blood of Jesus Christ. John said herein is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The gospel covenant is the love of God. And if we believe that covenant is true. That when the rest of the world begins to turn away from the gospel. We shall not. We shall not be moved. We will not go away. We will keep ourselves in the love of God. Look back in your text. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. What were they looking for in Rahab's house? The mercy of God upon them. Even though he destroyed everybody outside that house. They were in that house. It was the expectation of receiving that mercy. When Joshua came. In the same way we enter into the household of faith. Into the gospel of Jesus Christ. With the expectation of receiving mercy from God. When Jesus comes. As they expected to receive mercy. When Joshua came. We have made the cross our refuge. And we are looking. We are waiting for the mercy of Christ. That Greek word means to wait patiently. Allowing neither tribulation. Nor the doctrines of devils. To persuade us to abandon our hope in Jesus Christ. For if we remain in the household of our faith in Jesus For His blood is the token of God's mercy. We stray not away from our faith in the cross. Then we shall wait. And we shall look for the mercy. In the end. It will shall be. Look back in your text. Unto eternal 
life. What did they receive who stayed in the house of Rahab? They received mercy when Joshua came. What do we receive when we remain in the most holy faith of the gospel? When Jesus comes, we receive eternal life. God willing, we'll learn more about that next week when we take back up in the word of God here in the book of Jude. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the strong admonition that it gives us. Lord, what um, wonderful guidance, dear Lord God, that um, is so timely for us today. So timely, Lord, when the rest of the world seems to be falling apart. But uh, we're told what to do. To be building ourselves up. Which can only mean one thing. That when the rest of the world is falling away. We actually as children of God. Can be in these dark times stronger than ever before. More knowledgeable than ever before. A brighter witness and a brighter light for Christ than ever before. And we pray it will be even so Lord in Jesus.